<laughs> hey, I got to just quickly um, do a little shout out. Uh, I am, my wife and I are celebrating our 23rd year anniversary today. 23 years. I love you, baby. <laughs> she almost passed out. It's been 15 wonderful years, right? <laughs> I say 15, she says five. So, little discrepancy. <laughs> I was in the dark for a while, usually am. Uh, it's kind of a male problem. My, also, also, my oldest daughter is here, Mallory. Mallory, will you just stand up, Papa, for a second? This is my beautiful daughter. <laughs> Calling her out. Calling her out. <laughs> she is single, but not available. <laughs> All right, settled. We settled that. <laughs> yes, uh, just let that sink in. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm all over the map, but I wanted to share a testimony from the last service. Uh, I got permission for this. This is just pretty cool. I got a text. Um, I won't say the. There was a particular woman in our church. She's awesome. Uh, I don't know if she wants me to mention her name, but anyway. Um, she invited this guy to church a while back, and uh, he texted her. Um, uh, we'll call her Stacy. We'll just make it Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Uh, I have to let you know that I've listened in on Connect Services since April. I just finished the game day series, and I've worked my way back a whole year to the series Songs of the Savior, which was last Christmas. You guys are very lucky to have that family of people so close. I want you to know that when I missed that train into Boston, I see that now as nothing short of a miracle. God reached out to me through you and standing on that platform and watching that train pass as I laughed with luggage in hand, something deep in me knew that it was God. But it has taken me some time to actually realize that. That service you took me to open my eyes was no coincidence for me either. I had my eyes closed for so long and I desperately needed God to help me see. I have so much to learn in the future and so many ways to grow with this newfound hope and faith. I just wanted to say thank you. Through you, this pre-believer, as you say, uh, his heart has been changed and I've been pulled out of darkness that was once terrifying and that I never want to experience again. I hope that I can extend my faith to others like you did for me that day from a Canadian marathoner who came to church on Easter and now is attending here at Connect. Is that awesome? Isn't that cool? I just thought that was neat. Was driving the train, I guess. I don't know. She must have invited him from the train or the tea station. Pretty cool stuff. Anyway, you can get your worship guide out. Um, let me tell you where we're going to go so you can kind of relax a little bit. Um, this is kind of um, Mission Sunday. My message is going to be a little bit about how to change the world, uh, kind of getting a missions world view. Um, I'm not going to be taking an offering or raising any money or anything. So this is an update. This is giving you what you. This is giving you an update on what you gave. So at some point in the middle of the service, I'm going to let you hear from our mission partners, people that we partner with all over, you know, locally, domestically, and internationally. So you can see what we did. In a way, I'm like your broker, and I take the money that you invest in the, some of the gifts and talents that God has given our church and just kind of leverage those for the highest possible return for you so that when you, not only in this life, but in the life to come, you can say, you know, things, great things happen out of that. There was an eternal impact. So um, we had a great last service. Um, it was amazing just to kind of see and kind of connect with what really connect is doing. So that's kind of what's going to happen. Um, this is kind of a annual year, kind of a annual thing that we do every single year to kind of let you know what's going on. I do think it's relevant. If you're a guest, you kind of get to listen in and just, you know, see that there's more that happens than just kind of come upstairs in the second floor of a meeting and singing kubayas and, you know, eating donuts on the way out the door. There's a lot more that's going on as a church because we believe the church is the hope of the world. Amen. And we believe it's a movement and not a monument. And God wants to take our messes and make it a message, right? So that's what it's all about. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. good. Turn to your second choice. Say, this will still be good for you too. Okay. <laughs> when you see uh, the condition of our world today, I want you to kind of what I'm, what I'm doing right now as a communicator is I'm, I got like a funnel, and I'm going to just like bring you to a certain point, okay? But sometimes we need a little context or a construct for really understanding kind of what is going on. But when, I think you're like me, so I kind of 
communicate like that. But when you see the world today around you and what's going on, I think sometimes we can get a little overwhelmed. Like the needs that are out there are so insurmountable. Like when you turn on the news, click, 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 it's like everywhere. You know, it's just, it's somewhat overwhelming. Um, the, the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the floods and the, you know, and the tsunamis and the devastation and stuff like that. Like we just sometimes check out from that quickly. These happenings not only are there, but then they leave like devastation after it and catastrophe behind it and billions and billions of dollars in, 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 in trying to fix it and overcome it. And, and if I was to vent fully, which I won't, um, I don't know if it's an age thing, you know, at 36, uh, I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's an, what? Uh, or if it's an awareness thing, but unlike any other generation before me, we can see within a 24-hour period global happenings at our fingertips. That was never that way at one time, um, unlike any other generation. And you can see things that are happening. You, you, can, you can hear about drug cartels in other parts of the world. You hear about sex trafficking here or there. You hear about, you know, wars and rumors of wars, all that kind of stuff. And anything that's happening on the planet, boom, 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 boom. It's right there in front of you. Everybody tracking with me? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so you can be like front row, uh, front seat on all those kind of things. And I personally, at times, have not known how to process all that. It just, it, just, it just hits you. And so kind of what happens is one of two extremes, I think like a polarity, where we get callous to it and just kind of like, eh, you know, click, you know, I want to watch the Doritos commercial, you know, oh, you know, there's what's the latest, war, you know, game system that's being sold. We just want to get away from it as quick as possible or so it's either callous or then it's like this, um, you're one of those mercy-oriented people, extreme mercy-oriented people, and you see, oh, I can't watch, it hurts us, it burns us. You know, we just, we can't even look at it. We're just too sensitive to that kind of stuff. And you can't even watch it. And then what compounds the global, let's just say, of it all, is you add to that your own personal stuff, right? Your own sphere of influence, your own, your own happenings, your own relationships. And in our case, another generational difference between us and other generations is you don't, your sphere of influence has expanded rapidly because of social media. So your sphere is not this small like it once was. Your sphere is a lot bigger. Something is real big. You know, we went from just like, you know, a few friends in the neighborhood to like <laughs> 2,000 friends on Facebook, you know, and everything is, is, is kind of an open book. From checkbook to your Facebook, you an open book. <laughs> you know, everything's just, it's just out there. And so, so the things that are happening in our personal sphere are hitting us as well. Somebody's, somebody's a neighbor's sick, you know, somebody that's hurting from some kind of disease, a co-worker's laid off, some prodigal kid has gone off the deep end, We're just with some, some like spiritual children of ours, Stacey and I, just the other night and just listening to one of our kind of a, you know, a daughter, spiritual daughter, she wants to talk about her family problems and stuff like that, and we were coming home from Chick-fil-A, you know, God's food, amen, come on everybody, did you feel that? I do this for the owner because he loves me, because I was telling him, I said, I always advertise Chick-fil-A in your restaurant, so just remember me, <laughs> from turkey to chicken in two days, but anyway, we were coming back from Chick-fil-A, and we were just talking about, you know, and praying for and thinking through, you know, this, this family situation. It, it, those things hit you, those personal situations. And the point is, from global to personal, it's everywhere, it's all the time, we're inundated. Is everybody tracking out there? And then, like, for those of you who are part of a church family, there's the church stuff, too. So, you know, we're just like, uh, you know, we could, sometimes we answer Connect Community Church, but we could just as easily answer Crisis Center, can I help you? You know what I mean? Like, basically... It's what it is. We're in the problem-solving business, and I've signed up for that, and that's part of what, I, you know, what I'm created to do and what our church has created is to be like a hospital that, that helps people that are hurting, you know, helping people with herbits and ha hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and all the kind of things that go on in life. That's what we're here for, but it can be overwhelming at times, and sometimes it makes you just kind of want to check out or tune out or at least turn down the volume on it all, and, and for me as a person, I think sometimes you think this, I've thought this. I see all that, and I can't do anything about that. I mean, I really can't fix all of that. I really can't solve all of that. I, 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 really? I mean, none of it, really. When I look at the poverty, the disease, the devastation, the catastrophes, the, even some of the personal things that are going on, I mean, 
you know, maybe big government is the answer. You know what I mean? Come in and just, you know, fix it all with, with you know, more money. Maybe I think sometimes it'd just be easier to bulldoze the whole thing and start over. And God, could you come down here and fix all this right now? Maybe that's the, the best solution. And at the end of the day, it's tough when you look at it all because I, when you look at it, you just can get overwhelmed. What do you think about all that? Do, do you just settle down and just kind of deny it? Do you kind of, um, do you kind of just, you know, just push it away, but, the, but see, we're Christians. We can't do that, though. So that's what I'm here to kind of challenge you with is, as a Christian, we really can't just bulldoze it away, push it aside. We're called as Christ followers to make a difference in our world, to actually change our world. But I think part of the problem is awareness. And, and again, a long time ago, the only poverty you knew was the poverty you saw, the only problems you knew were the problems you saw that affect, the only devastation, you know, from, let's say, a catastrophe was in your state or your area. It's not so much that way today. Things are different. And it's caused us to think differently, I submit to you, and maybe behave differently. And sometimes that's not good. And we can just shut the big picture off. But again, we're Christians. And then this is what happens sometimes in the church, what compounds this. And this is kind of bonus. But... But we sometimes as Christians know that, and so we, um, we do what I call com compulsion compassion. Like we see a problem, and we just do something kind of reflexive, kind of real quick about it to try to make ourselves feel better, but we're really not solving the problem. We do like, we kind of scatter a little seed, but we're not really strategic with it where it makes a difference. And as a result, I'll just give you an example. Maybe it's a... You know, you see a, a, a child and they, they've got a, I can remember going in the mission field in the Dominican Republic and we were, we were driving to, with my father and he was in the front of this Geppetta and he was driving like a, like a banshee. I mean, literally he drives like he walks. Have you ever seen my father walk? My father walks, it's like asphalt is kicking up behind him. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, dad, we're just going to have Panera bread. Why are you going like that? You know, he's like, Arr, Arr. It's just everything's just active and action. Take the hill, you know. Get out of my way. I'm on a mission to get bread and soup. Yeah, everything's a big deal, you know. So anyway, but he's in a car. It's like he's got power behind that, and it's even worse. So we're driving real fast down these roads, and I'm with one of our missionaries, and she sees a little boy, and he's naked, and he comes out, and he's got this distended stomach need, right? It's everywhere, right? She said, Ernie, Ernie, we need to pull over. We need to stop. We need to pull over. I, I got a candy bar, and I, I, got, I want to feed this kid. And they got in a fight, the two of them, my, my father, Ernie, and Lucille. He used, to, he used to call her Loose Wheel. But anyway, he's like, it's funny, you don't realize how funny that is. But it, they're having this argument. He's like, he's like, Lucille, I'm going to see the mayor to get electricity in the community, and you're trying to give a candy bar to one kid. You see the little impasse right there? Now, I'm not saying the one kid doesn't matter, but sometimes we're like, feed one slice of bread at a time instead of trying to help people make bread so they don't have to have that happen again. And then we feed one slice of bread, and we leave, and we've made the problem worse in, this, in that situation. Compulsion, let's just say compassion, or just throw some seed out there so we can feel better. Let's give all the kids this, you know, and then next year, who's going to do it? I don't know. Well, they're expecting this to happen every year. I don't know. As a process, it's, it's, it's a problem, and this happens in Christianity all the time. And so I want to talk about that because at the end of the day, you know, you may have more money, you may have more time, you may have more talent or ability or whatever, but you can't fix the problem totally, no matter who you are, by yourself. So what do we do as Christians, not as a Christian, but as Christians to change our world? This is, this is kind of what a missions focus is all about. We're called to do something to change our world in which we live, every single one of us, and we can't or should not ignore it, but we can't solve it by ourselves either. Is, that, is anybody resonating with what I'm saying out there? So as I go forward, I want to read you some scripture about this, but I want to give you kind of like a priority, some next steps, and in particular, I want to give you like some, I call them God glasses. Like, I want to give you some lenses to look through so that when you see all the opportunity or need that's out there, you're not overwhelmed by it, but you're still moved by it, but you're not overwhelmed by it. You're not, you don't shut down in, in callous. You don't, you don't just unplug because you just can't handle it. 
You think you've got lenses to look through to be able to make pr principled decisions as to what to do. And at the end, I want to talk about something that we all can give in these situations. So packed inside this text, Galatians chapter 6, look in your notes, are some instructions about our social responsibility as Christ followers. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. Everybody with me? Say this is a good preaching, Pastor. Five of you agree. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. Does anybody ever get tired in doing good? Two people. Everybody's really good at doing good. That's awesome. I remember when my kids were younger, I'm kind of a health nut, um, no comments from the uh, peanut factory, but I, I remember when, 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 I, when I was a little bit younger and we had, when our kids were younger, uh, we had this fresh juicer, and I used to make juice for the entire family, fresh juice, you know, carrot juice and apple and a little fingernail size of ginger root, and doesn't that make you just go, heart go pitter-patter? You guys are like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah, green magma stuff? Yeah, you do that. Anyway, I used to do juicing every day, and I'd feed it to the kids. They didn't know any better. You know, Devin looked like, you know, Paul Bunyan, you know, like 10 years old. You know what I mean? And they were just healthy, healthy kids. But by the fourth kid, poor Morgan, by the fourth kid, I had had it. I quit. I was just like, fourth kid, I'm out. You know, I just I couldn't do it anymore. They never say thank you. I'm the only one cleaning up. I was weary in doing good. Now you're tracking with what I mean by weary in doing good? Okay, you all have your stories like that. But, but what he's saying is don't get tired in doing good. This is, he's talking about good like in a broad sense. You can get tired of it. You can get exhausted from it. The weariness could be, in our case, from the inundated you know, culture we're in, the overload of information and how it can cause us to believe that what we are doing as a church is not making a difference. So Paul's saying to the church, don't be weary in well-doing. You think what you're doing is not making a difference. I'm going to prove to you in just a little bit how Connect is making a difference. Paul's saying, don't get weary in well-doing. Okay, why? Because he says, don't disengage. Because if you back away, you're going to miss something. But if you stay with it, there's going to be a payoff. He says, for at the proper time. Everybody say proper time. That's the, the Greek is kairos. It's like, it's going to be this sudden a seemingly unpredictable but awesome divine favor kind of moment, favorable moment in your life. In that proper time, that you're going to have that opportunity, he says, at the, at, at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, everybody say opportunity. Now that word, every, every English word in your Bible in the New Testament is translated from the Greek language for the most part. And, and those words sometimes, the English words are in, incapable, sometimes not uh, to fully describe all the nuances of what was meant to, and what was supposed to be said. But that word there, opportunity, refers fundamentally to your availability and your ability. So it's saying this, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up, as we have availability and ability, let us do good, especially to the family of believers. That's referring to the church. So here's what it's saying. It's saying, Paul's saying, hey, listen, don't give up. Hang on. Keep doing good. You're going to see in just a short period of time, you're like fourth and in inches. Don't quit now. Don't quit. Don't quit. Take your availability, whatever you have, take your ability, stick with it. You're going to see an incredible return on this. And by the way, make sure you start with your own. Now, now, sometimes we get sidetracked in our missions worldview thinking that we have to help everybody else to our own demise. That's foolish. When you get on an airplane, one of the instructions they give, how many been on an airplane? Okay, so you guys don't know what I'm talking about. When you get on an airplane, they'll say, you know, should the cabin pressure, you know, change, the oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling. Blah, blah, blah. And then they'll tell you right after that, be sure to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before somebody else because you're no good to somebody else if you suffocate so we have to have a strong healthy i'm going to apply this to you to your family to your church you have to make sure you've taken care of your own but at some point that should overflow in good works and good deeds outside of that church and be an example and a testimony to other people and other environments. That's our social responsibility. That's the priority. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. So you're, we're all supposed to help carry the way. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. You want to do what Christ did? You want to be like Christ? Carry each other's burdens. 
selflessly serve other people, help each other carry the weight. We're instructed from God's word in spite of the fact that there are problems that we can't solve and issues that we can't pay for or eliminate entirely. We're still responsible to play a part, to be a part of the solution. I'm responsible to do what I can to take my availability, my ability, and use it for something greater. The thing is, when we join together, Ephesians talks about as each joint supplies. It's in Ephesians 4. By the way, that word joint, some of your brains are going in different directions. I'm not talking about that. No, I'm not talking about that joint. I'm talking about a joint. It's talking about relationships as people join together. Each part does their special or their unique work. That's how the mission of God is accomplished when people come together. That's how we change the world. Is everybody out there? So here's the lens. Here's kind of like the God glasses that I want you to look through. When you look at your world, when you look at all this global, when you look at all this this, this personal stuff that's going on. When you're trying to determine your social responsibility as a Christ follower, here's how I can change the world. Number one, do for someone. By the way, I learned this from Andy Stanley and just kind of expanded it a little bit about five, six years ago. He takes like hard theological things that take sometimes paragraphs to write and he condenses them and crafts them in these one-sentence things. So he says this, do for someone what you wish you could do for everyone. And then I put, do somewhere what you wish you could do everywhere and do sometimes what you wish you could do every time. So now, now this is gonna, this, these thoughts, this lens that you look through when you look at making a difference, changing your world, is also going to run cross-grain with another idea that we've all heard, we've been guilty of uh, saying, and we've been also kind of the, we've also been the, the brunt of this particular saying. And we all need to quit saying something like this, but you've all heard this. We as kids Maybe we went to a coach, we went to a teacher, we went to a leader or something like that, and we went and we asked for something from them. But there was only so much of that something. And so because that something couldn't be there and available for everyone, the reply was no. That's the setup, okay? So here's what happens. I'd go, you know, to a teacher in class and say, um, can I get a pass to go to the nurse's office. Translation, can I roam the halls for the last 15 minutes of the class? You don't have to say anything, it's just between us. And the teacher would say, no, because if I do that for you, then I'm gonna have to do that for everyone. To which I was thinking but wouldn't say, no you don't, you can just do it for me. It's just between us, just you and me. Or I go into the kitchen and there's one cookie left in the cookie jar, but we have 12 kids from the neighborhood over, and I want a snack, and I want to eat it now, but there's 12 kids in the kitchen all looking at the cookie in the cookie jar, and I ask my mom, can I have a cookie? She says, no, because if I give you that one, there won't be one for everyone, because, and that's not fair. That's okay, mom. You can just give it to me. We're good. I'm fine with that. You all know that you're fine with it, but we're not fine with being the person who has to try to find out how to make it all fair. Is everybody translate with what I'm saying right there? Okay? So this particular idea is something that affects not just our interpersonal relationships, but our view of the world and our view of need and how to change it. Throughout our childhood, we got this. If you do for one, then you have to do for everyone, and nothing could and can be further, actually, from the truth. And we bring this paradigm into all kinds of other things. We either do this, uh, we do nothing because we think it won't matter anyway, or we do nothing because it's not fair. And you know this, and you've even, if you're a parent, you've said this, life isn't fair, you tell your kids that all, it's just not fair. And the kids are whining and they're pining. And you're like, life is not fair. Mm, suck it up. <laughs> Turn around. Get out, you know. <laughs> Give them the right toe of fellowship and off they go. Life's not fair. You've all said that, right? And so whether it was our teacher, whether it was our parents, we all knew that. And life isn't fair. God is still good, by the way, which is another life-unifying principle from God's word. Life isn't fair, but God is good. Life is out of control, but God is still in control. Bad things happen, but God is still a good God. 
And it's about doing the right thing for someone, somewhere, sometimes. Or instead, we'll just close our eyes, you know, or we'll throw kind of in the towel, or we'll just throw some, you know, help and assistance to the wind, but not really thinking about what it's going to do over time. And there are many problems that we can't solve alone, but together we can. With my part, with my percentage, with my portion, we employ the greatest solution ever to change the world. And that's what Jesus knew. That's why he had to get out of Dodge. That's why he had to leave this world so that the world could be changed. He actually said that he is going to make his appeal through us to change the world. We are his ambassadors, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. We have been given the assignment to give the good news to the rest of the world, to help other people, to carry each other's burdens, to continue to do good. Here's the truth. In the end, we might not change the whole world, but we can change someone's world who in turn will change someone's world. It's a pay it Forward principle, not to pay it back. You can't pay God back for everything he's done for you. That's why as a church, and I just want you to know this, and I hope it makes your heart kind of melt or happy or whatever the word is, we don't scatter seed. We are strategic with it. We, it's like a farmer. We don't just kind of go out in a big you know, field and just kind of throw seed everywhere. Hoping there'll be a patch of grass over here, and there'll be a patch of grass over here, and there'll be a bunch of nothing here. No, we kind of sow in rows, making sure that things are going to work, they're going to line up, they're going to make the most difference. And so we, in our relationships with uh, missions organizations, with people, our own efforts personally, we don't go wide and shallow, we don't go narrow, you know, we go narrow and deep, excuse me. We don't go short term, we go long term. We don't just go and give money. We actually establish relationships with people. We get involved ourselves. I get involved. Our leadership gets involved. This is how we should give to others in order to make the biggest difference. So now I want to give you a little bit of physical, tangible you know, kind of reporting of what's happened. So let me just tell you this. Number one, we didn't pass these out because everybody gets nervous when you pass out stuff like this. So, but this is a giving report, our missions giving report. It is down in Guest Central for those of you who want it. I know everybody won't be interested, but some of you will. So if you want to know who are our mission partners, what have we done, why do we do it, it's right here. Okay, um, Grab it, take it, check it out. You did it. You made this possible. This is a report. This is not a, I don't need anything. You did it all. This is what you did last year. And when I talk about missions giving, it equals church tithe, okay? Synonymous with. So as a church, the same thing that I teach from Scripture, what I think the Bible clearly communicates and encourage you to do for you, not for us, we do as a church. So I just think, I thought to myself years ago, and I didn't see, I didn't have a church model for this. Other than my father didn't formally do this, but we gave a lot as a church, and it really equated to more than a tithe anyway, but we didn't teach it like this. But basically, um, I thought, you know, God has blessed me so much by being a tither personally, 23, whatever it is, 21, 22 years we've been a tither. Oh, since we've been married, 23 years now. I should get that date right because today's my anniversary. But anyway, 20, <laughs> 23 years ago, I'm thinking it works in my life. Why don't we do that as a church? Well, what, what's required to do this as a church is the same thing as required to do it in your personal life. We have to be good stewards. So what I'm telling you um, requires good stewardship. So that should make you see, in order for us to give away, which we did, 12.5% of our total budget last year we gave away. That means we're living on the rest. That means you have to do a good job. We're not over budget. We're not over pro pro projecting ahead or any of those kind of things. We live on less than the previous year as we go forward or even with the previous year. We do not, we do not uh, build on faith. No, we build on what actuals, and then we build a budget based on that, and we carved out a portion of that and gave it away. The most strategic uh, uh, relationships and organizations that I possibly could offer you as a church. I just wanted you to know that. So when I say missions giving, I mean church tithe. 10% is the tithe. We gave 12%. We did 12.5%. We did even more than that. And um, I want to thank you, too, I think a lot of times people are asked to do stuff, but then they're not thanked. People are told to do stuff, and nobody says thank. Your reward, I know, comes from God. You do it as unto the Lord, and I get that. But as your pastor, it is an honor to pastor a church that is so generous and gets it. Thank you so much. You're one of the best churches that I know in terms of giving that I've ever heard of. 
literally, and I could say more about that, but it could be misinterpreted, but, but we, we, we've just done well in that particular area because you guys get it, and I'm very, very proud of you. Uh, but uh, I'm so happy to report this information. These are just some of the ministries that are highlighted in here that I'm going to show you in video format, and um, a glimpse of kind of the organizations that are making a difference, how grateful and thankful they are, and... Um, uh, I want to highlight, first of all, our very own mission, Metro West Caribbean Mission. So we have our own mission in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I want you to know that um, this is dear to our heart. Many people in this room have been in the Dominican Republic. I've been there many times. My entire family has been there. All four of my children have been there. If you want to change somebody's worldview and see it the way God sees it, send them on a mission trip. Get there, go there, do whatever you need to go. At the very least, pray for it. Uh, it's always good to give to it, but it's awesome to be able to go to it. But I want you to hear from some of our own people uh, from our mission trips, just two mission trips very recently, and then you'll hear from my parents who are the founders of this particular mission. Can you show it? My name is Alex Navarro, and I had the opportunity to go to the DR with Connect Community Church. Um, it was a huge and amazing experience for me, totally life-changing. And um, I guess what I took away from it was that every day you would just go to sleep and wake up and just serve. That's all you had to do was just serve, whether it was in the house or it was with the kids. Um, it was completely amazing. And when you're serving with the kids, you think that you're teaching them something, but you get so much in return. They really actually teach you. Um, it gives you a realistic point of view of how the world is and is really important. And um, I just am such close friends with everyone I went with, and it's just an amazing experience. So if you have the opportunity, I please encourage you to go. Hello, family. Uh, my name is Maria Butler. Most of the people know me by Lourdes because my name really is Maria, but my house, we are four girls, and four girls is Maria, so I choose to be called Lourdes. So. Uh, I'm here to just talk about you guys, the visit I did at Dominican Republic. I really love to be there, just bring me back to my childhood. Um, I was just like them. Uh, one day I was supported by an American family and they send money to us every month. And this helped my mom take care of us. And as soon as I get here, I just try to reach them to say thank you so much for what you did. Your money really come and helped me a lot. So, and uh, I relay with the kids. I let them know um, for trust in the future and also trust in God because that's what God been planning for us. So today I'm here to just like say to you, if you have a desire to sponsor a child, don't lose this opportunity because I'm here. And I cannot imagine just like look at my past and look right now how God uh, been taking care of me and also with a lot of passion, like a people have a passion to help each other. So if you be the one, please try to inform, uh, call uh, Renda uh, Fry to ask any question you have about it. But please don't lose this opportunity. Kids been looking for you. Thank you. Bye. Hi folks, I'm Ernie Fry. And I'm Randa Fry. And we're happy to be with you to tell you about the great things that are going on in missions in the Dominican Republic. 21 years ago, Ren and I were vacationing there and I was running on the beaches of uh, the Dominican Republic where I met a woman on the beach who had a, what she called a small ristorante, a little restaurant right on the ocean. And each day when I went by, she begged me to come down into her village about 140 meters off the ocean to meet her people and I kept resisting, but eventually gave in. And once I went there to see what was taking place, my life was changed forevermore. Over the years, of course, we have now added a facility that's in Great Cofrisi Bay overlooking the ocean uh, that sleeps uh, 24 people so that people from Connect and churches all over the United States can come and be a part of what we do in missions work there. Uh, it's our privilege to do this, and we're thankful for the support that we receive from our own church, from you, and for the enthusiasm that's always expanded, not only in the Dominican, but when those who visit us come back, uh, the effect that that has on our people. I'd like to mention three things that I think that will be helpful, and you can see how you have supported Metro West Caribbean Mission this year. You have given. You have given of your finances to make it possible for other people to go on, on mission trips. Therefore, you will reap 
the harvest just like they have. Also, many of you have sponsored children in our school and changed their destiny. Over 30 people have gone to um, the Metro West Caribbean Mission this year and they have ministered and evangelized and done all kinds of practical things to help the people there. The children just love it when uh, Connect Community Church arrives. And lastly, I wanted to say prayer, and I think that's probably the most important thing, is prayer for the mission. You have prayed for the children that they would come to know Jesus as their personal Savior, and also that they would know that God has a plan and a future for them, and He has a purpose for their life and a destiny. And through this, that they can change their families' lives and also their community. Thank you so much, Connect Community Church. We appreciate everything you have done for us, and we believe that you have planted in good soil. Come on, big hand clap for Metro West Caribbean Mission. I'm going to go uh, right away to one of our other international missions uh, partners, uh, New Missions. New Missions was originally uh, based, another New England-based mission organization. George and Jeannie Detellis were pastoring a church in Worcester, Massachusetts, when they felt the call of God to go to Haiti to change the nation of Haiti. This is the largest mission organization in Haiti. In fact, when there's a natural catastrophe, which they've had many times, I don't say they're, that they're, I'm smiling, uh, I shouldn't be smiling. What I'm saying is uh, every time there's a catastrophe there, that is the organization that government agencies work with directly. They're very reputable. They're making an incredible difference educating and training young people. I want you to hear from their son who is currently running the organization there in Haiti, a good friend of our family and our ministry. Investing in the dreams of people around the world with dignity and empowerment is the cornerstone of lasting change in a community and around the world. New Missions has been raising a new generation of leaders in Haiti for educational and spiritual flourishing. New Missions is about equipping Haitians to change Haiti for the better. So we do that through education starting in preschool all the way through high school, Bible college, and a trade school. In a country that sees only 2% of students graduate high school, New Missions has spent the past 30 years planning schools and churches side by side throughout the Laogon Plain in Haiti. Community leaders, teachers, and pastors are carrying out their God-given vision to restore their communities with the local church at the center of everything. The power of the gospel changes lives forever. And we believe the greatest force of good is the local church. Because through the local church, lives are changed, hope is shared, and love transforms a community. L'autre monde et qui gagne besoin travail, non seulement ça gagne ti monde et qui besoin pour me capable aider eux, non seulement ça en fait pas mal les bis chaque dimanche on convertit tout en même temps, on dit mot de message avec nos mission tout. Il change la vie. We're celebrating what God is doing through the lives of these Haitian people to not only support their family, but to make their communities better. Thank you. We rejoice in what God is doing. Another awesome, awesome partner. Uh, the next area, which is very, very dear to my heart uh, on a personal level, and I, I really want to say, similar to what I said in the first service, I uh, kind of a special thanks. Um, the, the, the opportunity to be able to be strategic, one of the things that we looked at a lot, and I've kind of coined a phrase, you've probably heard the, the expression, um, the Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Ever heard that? If you haven't, it's basically talking about the pastor. If you can pick off the leader, the person you know who's kind of uh, the visionary or the key leader in an organization, you can destroy churches. If any of you have been in church for more than a decade, you've seen division, and you've seen discord in a church, and you've seen problems in a church. And uh, typically, uh, it would circle back to kind of one of three areas, and usually it comes back to or could have been changed if the leader, the, the shepherd, had had support. So smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Shore up the shepherd, and the sheep will gather. So if you can protect and you can equip and you can encourage and you can strengthen pastors, you can strengthen an entire church. So one of the things that we've done at Connect Community Church and one of the things that I believe is part of my 
auspices, uh, uh, design, uh, even destiny or whatever beyond even the local church is to help other churches and help other pastors. And um, uh, one of the organizations that we support that I'm not going to highlight in video this morning that you've heard from in the past, Barnabas uh, with Pastor Dick Germain, he launched a ministry which is in your giving report uh, years ago with the help of my father. But he, he really encourages and builds up pastors in the local area. It's now gone beyond that. Uh, it's actually expanded, I think, beyond his wildest dreams. But another organization that really equips and strengthens pastors as a result churches is uh, Relate, Relate Coaching, to which uh, I'm an active participant, and so are you as a church. Very recently, we had a one-day event here at our church on a Tuesday where people took their whole day off from work, 70 people to serve pastors and leaders. 125 pastors and leaders from all over New England came for us to be able to just kind of encourage them and build them up. And you guys did a phenomenal job uh, serving the community. Your reputation precedes you, people who are so blessed by you. People want to have what you have and, and, and do what you do, and they are because of your investment. But we do one-day events all over the East Coast, but we coach personally. We coach pastors. I, curs I personally coach pastors virtually and by the phone and also in person. Um, in fact, I'm going to be speaking at a church just this next weekend. I'll be back on Sunday, but I'll be speaking on a Saturday in Dallas, Texas, one of the churches that I, that I coach, uh, and, and just pouring into leaders. And it's just dear to my heart, and I want to thank you for allowing me growing and getting healthy so much so that I could help other churches. What I think happens when that happens is it puts favor on our church. When you're not just about you, yourself, me, myself, and I, and we're about other people, then God blesses us in the process. When we're not spending all our time limp-picking our own problems, but helping other people with their problems, our problems kind of fade and go away. It's kind of a secret sauce to life, and so I want to thank you for that. But uh, Relate Coaching was, was started by Pastor Randy Bizet. He's one of my closest friends. Um, he's an awesome, awesome pastor, and I want you to hear from him in, right away, if you can. Connect Community Church, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you guys so much for your partnership. My name is Randy Bazette. I pastor Bayside Community Church and I also lead Relate Coaching, which you are a huge part of that through your pastors, Derek and Stacy. First of all, my wife Amy and I, we love them so much. We love hanging out with them and just vacationing and doing life together as well. And I like working out with Derek because he's so weak, you know, I can just light him up, you know. <laughs> you know, that's funny, right? So just, just the relationship that we have with them. But I wanted to take a moment to thank you because you guys have been in partnership with Relate Coaching, something that we started like three years ago. And your pastor and your church, and you have been a part of that since the very beginning. And since then, we've coached hundreds of churches. In fact, it's been over 500 churches now that we have coached and helped them in uh, making an impact really in their community. And those churches actually represent thousands of people and they're making a difference. And these churches have seen exponential growth since being involved in Relay Coaching. And that is a direct result of you. So thank you for your generosity, the way that you give and you support this. And even more importantly than that is what you're doing up there in New England. Because we just had a Relate One Day conference at your church. And many of you, I got to meet you and hang out with you. And you were there smiling and serving all these pastors and these leaders that came to this conference. And, Wow, what a blessing. You, you probably will never truly know the impact that you're making throughout these churches and these leaders because when you invest in them that way and you help them to go back and do that in their church, people's lives are being changed forever. Souls are being saved. People are following Christ in a way that they never have before. And it's because of the impact that you're making. And I just wanted to take a moment. I want to say thank you guys. You truly are a blessing to the body of Christ, not just your church, and not just in New England, but you are making a difference there, but really through Relay Coaching that's happening all over the United States. And next year, this Relay Coaching is gonna go international as well. We're gonna branch into some other countries that are begging for coaching just like this. You guys are a part of that. You're a huge part of it. Thank you for giving, serving, and sharing, and being part of this vision. Thank you so much. It's awesome, it's awesome. I love that guy. Um, in addition uh, to that relationship, we also, one of, another area that's really dear to our heart, a big part of Connect, uh, it's changed our church, changed uh, our culture in many respects, is uh, partnership with the Association of Related Churches, ARC. 
we are what you would consider an ARC church. In fact, when people from our church move to another area, we try to help them find a church like ours, and we go to the ARC because we know that we will have a similar DNA, a similar approach, a similar uh, methodology, and of course, a similar belief system. Uh, and so the ARC has just been so instrumental, you don't even realize and how much it's affected you. But there were people in uh, my wife and I's life in particular that were so influential. In fact, I don't believe, uh, I might not be in ministry today if it wasn't for the Association of Related Churches. And in particular, some key people in there. I would have probably given up in different things because I was hitting a lid and just didn't get it. And there were just certain things that were very frustrating to me about ministry. And the ARC just changed my life. Uh, as a result, our church... Uh, is, a, is a full partner with the Association of Related Churches. It's the closest thing we have to a denomination. A lot of churches are either not a part of a denomination or part of a denomination, and these are extreme statements that I'm getting ready to make, but it, it's been my experience that when they're part of a denomination, the, the only benefits of that denomination are not necessarily for protection and relationship and covering, which I think are biblical, but they're really just a, a place to give your money, and if something bad happens, that's who you call. Or that's who comes in to kind of take things over. And then there's just no, some people have no involvement with a, or affiliation with the denomination. And they're just out there very vulnerable and susceptible and very independent and sometimes a little squirrely in their approach to uh, Christianity and their belief system and in their practices. And so the ARC is an affiliation and it's something that we chose to be a part of, chose to give to, and we received tremendous benefit from. Even before we became partners, they were providing the benefits of relationship, of resources, of really protection and covering. My pastor, uh, in addition to my, my father's influence in my life, this is probably the second most influential person in my life, Pastor Chris Hodge is one of the uh, lead uh, team of the Association of Related Churches, and he's going to talk to you right now. Hey, Connect Community Church. This is Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. As one of the leaders of the Association of Related Churches, I just want to say how grateful we are for your partnership in planting life-giving churches. You know, since we started just 13 years ago, you have invested in more than 450 churches all across America. Now that's significant because every one of these new churches are reaching their communities and doing missions work all around the world. It's the gift that keeps on giving. In fact, your investment in these churches has turned into an annual missions giving of over $11 million a year just to missions from the churches you've helped start. And that's why I personally believe that one of the best investments that you make as a church is to con connect community church, and then in turn, they invest into training and resourcing of new churches. So you're really not giving money to a church, you're giving money through a church. And by the way, your investment is not only money, God is using your pastors, Derek and Stacy, in a leadership role, in a mentoring role, to many of these young couples. I've known Derek and Stacy a long time and consider them to be some of my best friends and you are blessed to have them as your pastors. So keep doing what you're doing, keep praying, serving, and loving Jesus the way you do. And as God provides, continue to give what God puts in your heart to give. I know this, one day we're all gonna look back and be grateful that we did all that we could do to make a difference in the lives of others. God bless you. <laughs> it's awesome, give the Lord praise, it's awesome. Uh, there's just some statistics on an average life-giving church is planted through this organization every five days. In the last 11 weeks, we've planted 48 churches. In the last 11 weeks, so things are accelerating. 11,000 people attended the first weekend of those 48 churches. 500 people came to Christ on that first day, and that was just the first day. Is that awesome? Is that amazing information? So, so you guys are all a part of that, I just want to say kudos to you, congratulations. Uh, lastly, I'll just wind up with this one last uh, missions partner. Again, there are many that we could highlight today, but One Hope. One Hope uh, is a missions organization uh, based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, again, this, interestingly enough, uh, the founders of this organization, the Hoskins, were originally from Bangor, Maine. 
Uh, so I don't know where, what happened, but we've uh, three of our mission partners, uh, our own, uh, also uh, uh, new missions in Haiti, but now also One Hope. They all started up here. Isn't that interesting? But uh, One Hope is an organization that's uh, vision is to every child receive God's word on the planet. Every child get and receive and understand and in, ter in turn apply to their life God's word. And to date, in fact, it was just last year, they distributed one billion copies of God's word to children and youth worldwide. Did you guys catch that? One billion in over 145 countries. So this is a really, really uh, successful organization. They do uh, incredible work. They they make sure that what they're up to makes a difference. They do. Um, they've convinced a lot of their partners that research is critical to make sure that they are providing for the people who are receiving it the most current influential and applicable resources for people to internalize. One of those I want to share with you right now, but I'll let him do it, and then I'll come to you in just a second. This is President Rob Hoskins. I'll let him tell you what you did. Hey, Connect Church. This is Rob Hoskins, President of One Hope. Just want to take a few moments to thank you for your incredible investment in what we're doing. I particularly wanted to thank you for your investment in the Bible app for kids. For years, we dreamed about what it would look like to create a digital platform where children could engage with Scripture on their mobile device. So we partnered with YouVersion, and last Thanksgiving Day, we launched it. I can still remember that Thanksgiving morning where Kim and the girls and I were wondering, is anyone going to download this after all the praying and all the dreaming and all the investment? What an amazing day it was as we began to see it rise in the Android store and the Apple store so that by the end of the day, it had become the number one downloaded app for kids. Over 900,000 children in nearly 200 countries had downloaded on their mobile device and were engaging with Scripture. And it's just kept growing. Almost 5 million children have downloaded it. And you know, it wouldn't have happened without visionaries like Pastor Derek and Stacy, who from the very beginning stood with us and say, we want to sponsor a story. And because of you, we produced a hairy tale, the story of Samson. Can you imagine that now millions of children are hearing that story and engaging with that scripture portion because of your investment? We've translated it now into Spanish and we're doing five more languages. We're literally going to see Tens of millions of children be interacting with that story and the Bible app for kids. Thank you for all you've done. Who would have ever imagined that it would be possible to create an online interactive version of the Bible that could be sent to the palm of any child's hand in the entire world with a click of a button? This opportunity to digitize story and scripture and share them with digital natives who enjoy interacting via technology is amazing. And we couldn't have done it without the support of partners like you, Connect Church. In addition to your support of the Bible app for kids, your partnership has helped us reach more than 156,000 children and youth with their own personal copy of God's Word since 2007. Thank you so much for helping us reach every child with God's Word. We love you. Amazing. The uh, Kids Bible app is, um, the information is available in uh, the regist child registration area. I was going to say kids uh, registration. It is a kids registration area. Uh, so if you want information on how to download that app, um, it's there for you. It's um, Uversion also. If you have Uversion on your phone, it is often advertising the Kids Bible app. So we partnered with, I'll never forget the phone call. I got it a year ago. We actually just finished paying for the sponsorship of the story. There are 40 uh, digital narratives of the entire Bible. So in 40 stories, they tell the story of the Bible to children, primarily ages 6 to 10. So I just want you to know the target audience. And they have found and done research that in, in spite of the fact that other parts of the world may not have some of the, um, let's say, affluence that we have, they still have the access that we have to digital platforms, specifically, you know, iPhones and internet access and whatnot. So amazingly enough, this is actually currently the most strategic way to get God's word into children's uh, minds and into their hearts as a result. And so this Bible app is uh, obviously exploded in just one year's time. Again, I got the phone call from, from Pastor Rob, and I can remember him saying, uh, you're, I'm calling my 10 closest friends. And I said, who are the other nine? And he goes, you're the 10th. I said, who are the, who are the other nine? You know, and he, he told me who some of the other guys were. And for me, I was very honored to be even on that, that particular list. And, and he, I remember when I'm telling him,
telling me, you know, what he was getting ready to do. And I knew there was going to be a big price tag at the end of this particular thing. Um, but I just was so excited as he unpacked how strategic this was. Whereas, it just, I hope you can see just as a parenthetical, but as a church, we're reaching from child all the way to leader of a church in terms of our investment. I hope you can see that. And so, so with children, being able to just strategically get God's word them all over the world. And so he told me what it was, and I wasn't really sure how we were going to pay for it right away, but I just you know, knew that God would provide, and we would create some margins within our budget to be able to do so. But I'm proud to say that we paid for it. And within a week, our own story, A Hairy Tale, Samson, is coming out. He asked me which story I wanted, and, and of course I wanted Resurrection Sunday. He said that went with the first guy. And so uh, I said, well, I'll take Samson. And he goes, I figured you'd say that, you know, Derek. And I said, I want you to use me as the figure, the action figure. Just take my face off and just put Samson on that. And he said, we'll see what we can do. So that was a big talk in the office. But, uh, but Samson, the story of Samson will be coming out. So when you see that on the Kids Bible app and you get to show your kids or give that away, we'll be presenting this at our MCA Christmas production to all the kids that will be coming in just a couple of weeks and have a book of hope for all of them to give away as well that particular day because of our partnership with them. But you know that you paid for that. You paid for that story and that's going to be 5 million kids currently will see that story all over the world because of Connect Community Church. Is that awesome or what? <laughs> Woo! I can't even believe I'm saying that right now. So anyway, let me uh, just conclude with a couple of thoughts. I've submitted to you basically a couple of big things. You know, uh, this whole fairness thing, this whole awareness thing, those are like two big myths, mega doses of information about that, that, you know, if I can't do for one, I won't do for anyone, and, and, and you know, just the whole too many needs, why even start? But God wants to take, and I hope you can see how he's taken your part, and he's taken your portion and your percentage to do incredible things in our world today. You're making a difference, and it's being leveraged. It's not only just going to people. It's going through people to other people. When we're planting churches, and those churches that we planted now gave $11 million to missions. That's powerful stuff. But to really be successful in changing our world, in my experience, and I believe biblically as well, is when we decide to not just give to others, but first, first, if you haven't done this, we have to give ourselves to God first. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, look in your notes. I think it's in there. I'm not going to do all the notes today, so don't worry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up right now, okay? So I'll get to that another time. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, this is Paul's instructions to this church that had just brought this great big offering. They gave over and above what was expected. When do you ever hear about that? They had their own needs. They were in their own personal recession. They were giving to an, another city, another area, another people as Gentiles giving to Jews. There were some powerful things that were going on there. Yet they rose to meet the need. In fact, they did more than anyone expected, which was incredible. And in verse 5, it says, they did more than we had hoped for then it says, for their first action, everybody say first action, was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us. In other words, what precedes giving to others is first giving to him. Before you give to others, you first give yourself to him. The first action to have a missions worldview, kind of a biblical worldview, to see need right, you won't have the God glasses until you've met the God who made them. Your first action is to give yourself to God first. I was thinking about what is that like every Christmas. I can remember for years my grandmother's gone on to be with the Lord. But I can remember every Christmas right around this time trying to figure out what am I going to give Grammy? What am I going to give Marion? What am I going to give her? Because, because in my brain I'm thinking she's been alive a long, long time. She's got a lot of nice things. What do you give to a woman who has everything? Does anybody have that problem out there today? You know, there's somebody that you know, and they're just blessed. They're just blessed. What do I give to somebody who always have everything? That's how God is. God's like my grandmother, but he's way better. My grandmother's with God now, praise the Lord. She's getting better by the moment. <laughs> but, but what do you give to God who has everything? The only thing you can give is you, is you. Every single, you know, holiday, go to visit my grandmother, she'd make a meal serve me up this nice thing, give me all this kind of stuff. And I think, what can I give back to you, Grammy? What? I, I don't have anything to give you. She says, don't worry about it. And she just put her hand, you know, her chin right in her hand. And she just said, I just like watching you eat. <laughs> she just sit there and watch me eat. That's my reward. Just being here, watching you enjoy this. God, wa he just wants you. He just wants you. 
So we just close your eyes right where you are. I just want to pray for you right where you are. And for every person that's listening online and maybe in a podcast later or if you're listening, you know, at your desk and your computer, just close the computer, put your notes away, be still your heart, and just, just listen for a second. Before you go away here today, I hope that you've decided in your heart to see the world differently. You see life differently. You see through a different lens. And not be jaded and skewed by your own experience and by your own understanding, but it's been affected and influenced by God's word and God's ways. And you see that you're called to take your part, your portion, your percentage, you, and make a difference. But before you can make a difference effectively, you got to give all of you to God first. If you've never given yourself to God fully, surrendered your life to Jesus, and you want to do that, would you just raise your hand and just say, that's me, I want to give my life to him fully, surrender my life to him. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Is there anybody else that says that's me? Maybe you're listening online and that's you. Just open up your heart to God right now and say, that's me as well. God bless you in the back there. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. I see those hands over there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that are raising your hand and those who are listening, just say this. Say, Jesus, my first step before I take another step is to come to you. And so I come to Jesus Christ and I make him today my Savior and my Lord. I accept the invitation to come into relationship with him. I know for me to change the world, I need you to change me. And the word says that by faith, I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. Behold, all has come new because of this faith commitment right now. Let me pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. Seal that prayer. Seal that commitment to everyone who prayed that sincerely. I pray that you that resonate with them, it connect with them, that they are never the same because of the person of Jesus Christ, the person that they met. I pray change them on the inside so they can make a difference on the outside. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Praise the Lord.